<laughs> well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you this morning. Everybody love the snow day you had this, this week? I guess this is what snow days are in Texas now. I, I have been acclimated to snow days. Nevertheless, I love the day off. How about you? It was great having Texas closed for a day. Like Lisa said, we're shifting up the, shifting up the service here. We're going to go back to worship in just a little bit, but I want to speak to you um, a few minutes. If you want to get your Bibles out, you can also follow along the screens. We're doing this series around here that we're calling Restart. And the question that we've been asking in this series is how will this year be different? And I think it's a great question. We've been talking about that. And I think for a lot of us, we tend to approach that question with putting together a diet plan or a health plan or an exercise plan or um, some sort of relational plan or financial plan, which are all fantastic ideas. I encourage you to do them all. But if we don't address the spiritual blockage in our life, nothing will be different in 2018 than it was in 2017. The Apostle Paul describes something in the last book of the book of Ephesians when he's talking to the believers in the city of Ephesus. And he says this in verse 10. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to, able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits. In the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to stand. And I don't want to just stand for a short period of my life. I want to be able to have a long time standing, right? You know, that we live our lives that way with integrity and not being defeated by the different things. And so in case you didn't realize or maybe you've forgotten, Apostle Paul is describing here that there are these, these, these demonic forces, these spiritual forces that are, at, uh, that are forcing this battle against your soul who are wanting you to stay entrenched and, and stuck so that you're unable to move forward in what it is that God has for you. So if you only approach 2018 with just physical plans, you're going to still fall short. So we have to contend with these demonic spiritual forces who the Apostle Paul has these strategies. They actually have strategies to keep you from moving in kingdom movement and kingdom advancement in your life. And so through this series, we've been looking at how to do this. How do we contend with these demonic spiritual forces? In other words, how, how do we actually overcome these strategies that the devil has put in place to keep us from moving forward. I said this last week because I think one of the things that I think we forget and one of the things that I've learned over the years is that even though there's all these things that God wants to do in and through our lives, and even though God has provided us and has given us so much different things, if we don't step into those things, if we don't contend for those things, then we'll end up missing out on all that God wants to do in and through our life. The Apostle Paul, he describes it this way in Philippians 3 verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. See what he's saying? He said, I, I haven't arrived. There's still these things, there's still these things I know that God has for me, so I have to press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already provided for me. And so the reason why you have to contend for these promises that God has for you is not because God is withholding it from you. 
Too many people get this one confused, and, and we feel like we have to kind of argue and beg with God, God, please do this, please do that, and so we fight the wrong battle. God's the one who's provided it for you. The reason why we have to contend for it is because of the reality that there is a spiritual battle that is playing out that wants you defeated, that doesn't want you to step into all that God has for you. And so we've been looking at how to do this by looking at a guy by the name of Caleb. So again, if you have your Bible, go to the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, and let's start here again in Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. It says, Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunite, and the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh, Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions, but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. And if you remember the story, again, here's Moses. He's leading these two and a half to three million Israelites who had been enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. He's taking them out of Egypt and bringing them to this place that God says, Here, here's where my people will be. Here's where I want you to take these people. And so Moses brings them right to the edge of that land, the property line, if you will. And he says, this is what I have for you. But the interesting thing was, is that the Israelites kind of wanted to test it out. They wanted to kind of check it out to see, you know, what is this territory? Look, I didn't tell them to check it out. God said, this is what I have for you. But what he did is that they sent spies then in to look at this land that God said I had promised, to check it out, in other words. The problem was this land was filled with these fortified cities and these literal giants called the Nephilim that were there ruling over this land. And the Israelites were so, the spies that went were so fearful of it, they came back and reported, we look like grasshoppers compared to these giants that are living. And so as a result of that report, fear entered their hearts. and They said, no way, we can't even do this. I'd rather go back to Egypt and be a slave than actually try to step into what God says this is our promises. And so as a result, God sent them back in the desert, and they wandered for 40 years in the desert. Continue on, verse 8. I, I, however, Caleb said, follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Only Caleb and Joshua were the ones that said, yeah, this is true. However, we believe God has said, but they, nobody would listen to them. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land in which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old, as yet I am as strong this day, on, uh, um, this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain on which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim, that's the Nephilim, those are the giants, were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Now, two weeks ago, we went into depth looking at this passage, so I'm not going to go fully into this. And I encourage, if you missed this, to go online and listen to the last two weeks to get caught up in it, because all these are kind of building on, on each other. But the thing that grabs my attention every single time I read this passage of Scripture is that even though Caleb was 85 years old, when it would have been just easy for him to, 
to take his inheritance and, and to spend it on something just for himself, to go on a long vacation to the Caribbean or to get a condo at Shalom Acres that overlooked this, this beautiful beach when it would have been easy for him just to rest on his laurels and just to kind of sit in the background and let others lead when it would have been easy for him just to do the same old, same old. That's not what Caleb did. Caleb asked for this mountain. I love the NIV because the NIV translates mountain as the hill country. Caleb asked God for the hill country. And in asking God for the hill country, Caleb was asking for this rematch, if you will, with this grouping of people who had 40 years ago annihilated and completely humiliated them. He was asking for the most dangerous, the most difficult territory in all of the promised land. He was asking God for the hill country, this place where these giants resided, these ones that had scared the Israelites 40 years earlier. This was the territory that he was asking God for. He was asking this for this to be inheritance. God, give me the hill country. Now look at this in Joshua 15, verse 13. It says, in accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jehuna, a portion of Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Anak. From Hebron, Caleb drove out these three Anakites, Sheshai, Aimon, and Talmai, descendants of Anak. Now, what I want to talk with you about here this morning are some of these giants that Caleb had to contend with. And we're going to look at three of these. There are actually four that he had to contend with. And when you look at the story, it's actually a great picture of the spiritual giants that you and I have to contend with as well. If we're going to move forward in the promises that God has for us, we're going to move forward in the inheritance that God has for us, then we also have to contend with giants just like Caleb did. And the first three of these giants, the first three of these these, um, strongholds that Caleb had to deal with were these three Anakite brothers who were the giants ruling in the land. Again, these were the Nephilim. These were the, the literal giants that had freaked the Israelites out earlier. And so the three strongholds are, are represented in these three giants. And interestingly enough, it's these three giants that show us the three spiritual giants that we have to contend with as well. These that are squatting in our, our own lives, trying to keep us moving forward and all that God has for us. And so the first of these giants is called Talmai. Talmai. And Talmai's name in Hebrew, and you always, when you, when you read the Bible, as you're trying to get more out of Scripture, one of the things that you'll see over and over and over, that names are really important. Because in the name, you'll see a lot of spiritual inference, a lot of spiritual depth to it. And so if you want to learn how to read your Bible, take time to actually go back and understand the meaning of things. And so Talmai's name means furrowed or a rut. And so I want you to think about that just for a little bit here this morning. I want you to think about how this stronghold may be affecting you. I want you to think about how this stronghold may be keeping you from moving forward in what God has for you. Because the stronghold of Talmai forces people to live in a rut. Think about that. It's this spiritual stronghold that will force people and yourself to live in a rut. It forces people to live in status quo. 
where divorce is normal and poverty is normal and addiction, they're normal and sin is normal. The stronghold, it steals people's dreams. The stronghold steals people's faith and lulls them to sleep spiritually. This stronghold steals the health of families and replaces it with divorce and adultery and miscarriages and barrenness. That's what the stronghold does. And the stronghold steals the identity of individuals causing confusion and sexual orientation and alternative lifestyle. That's what the stronghold does. And the stronghold steals the identity of the church, obscuring people's spiritual vision to see the bigger picture. It's this stronghold that clouds people's vision of what God is doing and who he is and what God wants to do in and through your life. It's this stronghold that really clouds even believers' eyes and causes believers to fall asleep and not engage in what it is that God has for us. That's what this stronghold does. That's what it tries to do in your life and in my life and in, then in our community. This is one of those giants that we have to contend with. And the second of these giants is called Sheshai. And Sheshai's name means whitish or somewhat white. In other words, it's not white. Now follow this through because I want you to think about how this stronghold might be affecting your life as well because the stronghold of Sheshai steals people's innocence. It steals the truth. It steals people's right relationship, right true relationship with God, substituting it for beliefs that aren't true and replacing it with humanism and spiritism and intellectualism and all sorts of false religions and all sorts of antichrist. That's what this stronghold, this giant, attempts to do in your life and my life and also in our community. And then the third of these giants is called Aiman. Aiman. And Aiman's name means to accumulate. So again, I want you to think about how this one might be affecting you as well, because the stronghold of Aiman steals innovation. It steals entrepreneurship and leadership. This stronghold steals personal blessing in a prosperous economy, substituting blessing and prosperity with poverty and a poverty mentality. And so again, I want you to think about how this stronghold might be affecting you because that's what this stronghold tries to do. It tries to overtake you and squat in your life, keeping you from being able to move forward in what God has for you. And so th these are three of the strongholds, three of the giants that Caleb had to contend with in order to move forward in all the promises and the inheritance that God has. And I want to suggest to you here this morning that these are three of the spiritual giants that you are also going to have to face and contend with if you're going to move forward in all the promises and the inheritance that God has for you as well. And so the question becomes, all right, then what do we do? How do we do this? How do we contend against spiritual giants? It's not one of those things that you took in, in first grade. You didn't take a first grade class of how to deal with spiritual giants in your life, right? It's one of those things that we tend to not talk about. Again, the Apostle Paul says, don't forget, you're dealing not just with, with you're not dealing with flesh and blood enemies. That tends to be what we tend to focus on. We'll focus on our weight. We'll focus on our finance. We'll focus on our job. We'll focus on all the crazy people who drive in the left lane on Highway 71. We'll focus on all of these things that are right here, and we forget about the things that ha are happening in the spiritual realm that want to keep you stuck. 
Again, remember, we're talking about 2018. How will 2018 be any different than 2017? And here's what I've said the last couple weeks. I think God wants to do something that he wants to shift things in your life. But just because he wants to and just because he's provided it for you doesn't mean that it will automatically happen for you. You and I, we have, to, we have to step into it. We have to contend for it. But when you know that God's provided it for you, you're not fighting to get God to do something. You're fighting the junk that's trying to keep you from stepping into it. And so knowing these giants are really important for us to understand. And so how do we do this? How do we contend against these spiritual giants? Well, look at this in Exodus chapter 22, verse 7. It says, the thief, if he's caught, must pay back double. Now, when you think about it, you can kind of just read that, read that passage and kind of pass it by and think, well, whatever. You know, so I, anybody's robbed my house. I don't know what I'm talking about. But remember, everything in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing and a picture of the New Testament, what God does in our lives. And so there's a, a spiritual principle here as well, because it's important for you to understand this is God's judgment on all those who steal. And so think about this. Because when you know the who, when you know the who who has stolen from you, you can take that who to the courtrooms of God and declare and proclaim this truth, which means we are then the ones responsible to take these spiritual thieves to identify the spiritual thieves in our lives. And then we're the, responsible, we're the ones who are responsible to bring them to the courts of heaven and declare God's word in Exodus 22 verse 7 that says when a thief is caught, he must pay back double. And so whatever they've stolen from you, whatever these giants have stolen from you, when you recognize who they are, you can take those before the courtroom of heaven and declare, this is the law. This is the law. And so as a result, then you can declare and proclaim the release of yourself from those spiritual strongholds and the release of those around you, this area from those spiritual strongholds, and you can declare that these spiritual thieves have to cease and desist, and they have to repay back double what it is that they've stolen. Listen, folks, this is what prayer is about. And I want to kind of mess you up just a little bit here, because too often I think prayer has just become a mamby-pamby, you know, quiet, you know, bow your head um, and say a few words and, 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 and pray a couple different things that might sound good to somebody else and, and where we're, we're begging and we're pleading, trying to get God to do something. Prayer, for a lot of people, has just become that. But I want to suggest to you that's not prayer, folks. That's not prayer. Prayer, the essence of prayer, is to engage in this spiritual battle that's going on. Not in your own might or your own power. We'll see that in just a little bit here. But because of the authority of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. This is where every stance that you should take starts with this right here. All authority has been given to Jesus. So all these giants that we talk about, all these spiritual giants that we talk about, even the things that Apostle Paul talks about there in the last chapter of the book of Ephesians when he's talking about these, these principalities and these demonic spirits that are out there. They're not the ones who have the authority anymore, folks. They're masquerading, pretending, and using your authority against you, but they're not the ones who have authority. So it starts here. All authority has been given to Jesus Christ. And, and so as a result, Jesus said, now you go. Get out of here. Go into the world. 
Because now, because Jesus says, I have authority, and look what he says in Matthew 16, verse 19. Jesus said, I will give, what's the word? Give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now listen to this. So whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And you see what he's saying? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. These, all these things we talk about in the spiritual realm, all these spiritual forces out here, don't worry about them because all authority is in me, Jesus says. And the great thing is, is that not only does he have authority, then he comes back and says, now I'm going to give you authority and I'm going to give you keys. And the incredible thing about these keys is these keys unlock heaven. And so you now have authority. You now have the power to forbid things on earth. And when you do that, it changes here, and it forbids demonic entities from working and ruling in your life. And not only that, you have the keys to unlock heaven's resource and what God's trying to do. And so if you'll just use that key to release, to permit, when you do that here on earth, then it releases things in the heavenlies. Here's, I don't care. Listen. Listen. Petra, God's giving you a key. So what are you, God's giving you a key, Andrew. Wanted God's giving you a key. I mean, think about Rob, God's given you a key. And this key has this incredible spiritual power that changes your situation. So we're to use this key, not just passively. That's why prayer is not just, oh God, please do this. Thank you for this. I, God, I, I want you to do this. Would you please help sister so-and-so, and would you please do this? And, oh, God, you need to do something about President Trump. And that's, that's not, listen, that's not prayer because that's not doing anything. Because Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Now you go. You do what he did. And he says, you're not just going in your own strength. You're, I'm going to give you something that will unlock heaven. Here's the key. And so as a result, we're the ones that now have to take responsibility. You are the ones that can forbid, in other words, not permit, and you say, no, devil, you're not going to work here. These giants here, you don't work here, and you forbid that for happen, and then as well, you can release things. This is what God is doing, so I release this in Jesus' name. Are you with me here? This is how we are to contend with these giants. And so look at how the Apostle James says, then where our action point is in James 4, verse 7. He says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come to God, and he will come near to you. The message paraphrases it this way. He says, so let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil, and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God, and he'll be there in no time. This is, this is such an incredible thing, because the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about you no longer have to be a victim of what it is that the devil wants to do in your life. You don't have to be a victim of his schemes and, and these plans that he's had, these strategies he has to destroy your life. Apostle Paul describes it this one in Colossians 2, verse 13. He says, when you were stuck in your old sin, dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you a life right along with Christ. Think of it, all sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest Warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. That's why prayer, because they've been stripped, because God's given you these keys, that's why prayer is really about declarations and proclamations. Where you declare and proclaim God's will over your situations, where I'm saying yes 
to God. Yes to his will and what he wants to do in my life and in my sphere of influence. And I declare and I proclaim those things. I'm releasing his will over my life and over my spheres of influence. And I'm yelling aloud no to the devil, declaring and proclaiming the release of my life and my sphere of influence from the devil's work. Folks, this is what prayer is about, and this is what will shift things in your life. That's the power of proclamation, declaration through the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to show you an example here in the Old Testament that will maybe ring a bell here for you, because I think David's a great example of how to contend with giants. Maybe you remember this story, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Look at this in verse 1. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah, they pitched a camp at Ephes Damin between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale Armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for the battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man. And say, and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become your, your, our subjects and serve us. And the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Verse 16. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now, Jesse said to his son, David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things, and the keeper of the supplies ran to the battle lines and greeted his brother. And as he was talking with him, Goliath, the Philistine champion, came from God, stepped out from the line and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He'll also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been, had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Verse 31. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine to fight him. You're only a boy. And 
and he has been fighting um, men. He's been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion and a bear came and carried off his sheep from a flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it, when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put him in a coat of armor on him, and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I can't go like these. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took a staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with this sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bear in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked at David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered there will know that it's not by sword or by spear the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to the attack to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. It's a great example. Of, David's a great example of coming against a giant. But I want you to notice he didn't come in anybody's strength. He came in the name of the Lord Almighty because he understood that the battle wasn't his. The battle was the Lord's. It's not by his might. It's not by our might. It's not by our power that we overcome, but it's by the authority of Jesus Christ. Remember, that's what Jesus said. All authority has been given to me. Now you go because I give you these keys. And he gives us as ambassadors the authority then to reflect him. In, in Philippians chapter 2, Verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore God exalted him, that's Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name. That on the name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I want you to notice this. Some, a lot of you know this passage, but a lot of times we, we pass right over this. But notice what it says, that God gave Jesus the name that's above what? All other names. Why is that significant? Because you need to know the names of the giants that are working against you, trying to keep you stuck and entrenched, and trying to keep you from stepping in the inheritance and the promises that God has for you. And let me tell you something, the devil doesn't want you to know the name. 
The devil wants to keep it a mystery. He wants to keep it hidden. He wants you to blame, he wants you to blame God. He wants you to blame the government. He wants to blame your employer. But that's not the thing. You need to understand your battle's not against flesh and blood, but against these rulers and powers of, in, in, in the heavenlies. And when you know those giants, then you can take those giants by name to the courtroom of God and declare that every name, every one of these giants must bow their name to the name of Jesus. And they must confess that Jesus is Lord. Listen, folks, that's what we do in prayer. That's the power of declaration and proclamation. These are the things that shift your life. That's how you contend with these giants. Next week, we're going to look at a fourth one of these strongholds. A lot of times, I think we don't even want to talk about, but I think we're going to go there next week. And as Kayla had to contend with it, and I think you and I have to contend with it, as well, but this morning we're going to go back into worship. The team's going to come back up here, and they're going to lead us in worship here. But um, we have chosen these next songs specifically so that you can, right where you are, begin to declare. Just to begin to declare the name of Jesus over your circumstances and over your situations and over whatever's going on in your life as you look at these different giants. And you see maybe the impact that these, these spiritual giants are having in your life. You can shift that. Remember, God's given you the keys. And you so you can forbid these giants. And you can release yourself from the impact in their lives. And so um, we're going to have, we have communion up front. And, and so we're not doing it in an organized fashion like we usually do. You can use that as part of your worship um, at any time. You can come up here and do that as well. I've asked the prayer team just to be up here during worship. So not just after service, but during worship. So they're going to hang out up here as well. If you want somebody to stand with you, to agree with you, to pray over you, to um, really minister to you during this time, that's what um, these men and women will be here to do. But I want you to stand your feet, if you would, please. Because I want to, I want to lead you in just kind of how I pray and how I declare. Because I know for some of you, this may be something new, that you know, your, your prayer is more of this quiet and and do these things kind of silently, and it's just kind of more of this conversation with God of things that you want him to do. But I want to kind of shift things for you just a little bit. I want, to, I want you to practice making some declarations in face of these three giants that we talked about. This Talmai stronghold that wants to keep you stuck in a rut. And this Sheshai stronghold that wants to deceive you to replace the truth with some sort of lie. And this Aiman stronghold, this giant that wants to keep you from prospering, keeping you from stepping into the inheritance and all that God has for I want to lead you in just making some proclamations and declarations over this. Are you with me here this morning? Come on. So I want you to just, I want you to just declare this in Jesus' name. Say, in Jesus' name, I declare the release of myself and the release of the people in this community who are stuck in a rut. I declare the release of dreams and visions into my life and into this community. I declare that in this community, marriages are healed. I declare that in this community, families are healed. I declare that in this community, men and women are healed. I declare that in this community, young people are healed. And I declare that the people of God in this community are awake and are standing at attention, no longer passive, 
no longer apathetic, but actively engaging in the building of the kingdom of God. And I declare, according to the word of God, that this Talmai spirit has been found guilty of stealing from the kingdom of God and from me and from God's people. And I declare that this Talmai spirit must cease and desist from all activities within my life and within this community. And I declare that I'm no longer influenced by, controlled by, or strangled by this Talmai spirit. And I declare that the people in this community are no longer influenced by, controlled by, or strangled by this Talmai spirit. And I declare, according to the word of God, that everything that this Talmai spirit has stolen in my life and in this community, he must return at least twofold in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the first giant. Let's go to the second giant here. In Jesus' name, I declare that I will no longer compromise. I declare that the believers in this community will no longer compromise. And I declare that I will be bold and courageous and that I will take my rightful place in the community of God. And I declare that the believers in this community will be bold and courageous and they will take their rightful place in the kingdom of God. And I declare that shame and ridicule has been broken off my life and the body of Christ in this community. And I declare that I and the people of this community belong to Jesus. And I declare that Jesus will arise and his enemies must scatter. And I declare that every person in this community will have an opportunity to clearly understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I declare the release of the Holy Spirit over my life and over this community. And I declare that God is pouring out His Spirit on all flesh in this community. And these people will hunger and thirst for the truth. And I declare that there is a move of the Spirit of God in our lives and in this community. And I declare, according to the Word of God, that this Sheshai spirit has been found guilty of stealing from the kingdom of God and from me and from God's people. And so I declare that this Sheshai spirit must cease and desist from all activities within my life and within this community. And I declare that I'm no longer influenced by, controlled by, or strangled by the Sheshai spirit. And I declare that the people in this community are no longer influenced by, controlled by, or strangled by the Sheshai spirit. And I declare, according to the word of God, that everything that the Sheshai spirit has stolen in my life and in this community, he must return 
at least twofold in Jesus' name. Amen. There's one more giant, one more here. Let's proclaim this in Jesus' name. I declare the release of myself and the release of the people in this community from a poverty mentality and a poverty lifestyle. I declare that this community will be a place where new businesses are coming to and that individuals and families will flock to this community. I declare that innovation will thrive in my life and in this community. And I declare that wealth will abound in my life and in this community. And I declare that entrepreneurship will thrive in my life and in this community. And I declare that the economy in my life and in this community will flourish. And I declare, according to the Word of God, that this Aiman spirit has been found guilty of stealing from the kingdom of God and from me and from God's people. And I declare that this Aiman spirit must cease and desist from all activities within my life and within this community. And I declare that I'm no longer influenced by, controlled by, or strangled by this Aiman spirit. And I declare that the people of this community are no longer influenced by, controlled by, or strangled by this Aiman spirit. And I declare, according to the word of God, that everything that this Aiman spirit has stolen in my life and in this community, he must return at least twofold in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, folks, let's worship, let's declare the name of Jesus over our lives. I am, you know, I'm, I'm very aware that probably most of you didn't come to church this morning ready to fight. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we just come to church and we're kind of sleepy and, and we're kind of just walking in and all those types of things. And boy, I am very aware that I pushed you and probably for some of you pushed you completely out of your comfort zone. And, and uh, um, I, I guess, you know, what's in my heart, this is hard, is that I do think God wants to shift things in your life. Yes. And I don't want you to hear that in a general sense. I want you to hear that for you. That God wants to shift things in you. And if you were to be honest, there's some things that are messing you up. There's some things that are holding you back. There's some dreams and visions that just aren't happening in your life. And your relationships, there's just challenges. And, but you need to hear really from the heart of God that he wants to shift things in you. And that means you can't be passive. That means you can't just come and just, you know, just do the same old, same old and yet expect something different to happen. As I was praying for you this week and yesterday specifically I was praying for you. I couldn't get out of my head the, the theme to the Rocky song. 
you know, that dun da da dun da da dun 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 And just this, all right, we got, we got to get into this position. And I think there's got to be something inside of you that rises up and says, you know, you know, devil, enough is enough. You've stolen from me. You've stolen from my kids. You've stolen from my grandkids. You've stolen from my relationships. You're stolen from my finances. There's got to be something that rises up in you instead of cowering in the face of these giants. That's why God specifically told Joshua and Caleb, be strong, be bold, be courageous. And then he repeats it, be very bold, be very courageous, be very strong, because that's what it takes to push through, to see shift happen. And you're, like, you're not fighting God with this. Please get that out of your head. You're not fighting God with this. God has all these things he wants to give you, and he's given you these keys. If that's hard for you to remember, Marilyn felt like this morning that God told her to bring some keys with her this morning. She has a little pack of keys. If you, It's probably not enough for everybody, but she has a pack. If you want something, because God told her to bring it here, not knowing what was going to happen here, if you need something to take with you to remember he's given you the key. So now you forbid here on earth so it changes heaven. You permit here on earth. Use that key this week, all right? If you would grab a hold of the person's hand beside you here, because we're in this together. You're not by yourself. I don't want you to ever think that. And as I pray, I want you to pray for the people on the left, on your right. Pray for the people in front of you, behind you. You may not know what's going on beside, beside you, what's going on in their life, but God does. And so, Father, we pray for the people around us here this morning, for the people on our left and the people on our right, the people in front of us, the people behind us. That, God, you see them. You see them exactly what they're going through. You're right there with them. They're not alone. You haven't forsaken them. You haven't forgot about them. But yet you are right there. That you are their conqueror. You are the one who goes before them. You're beside them and you're behind them as well. And so, Father, we pray that blessing over the people on our left and their right, that their eyes would open up to see truth, that they would no longer be deceived and lied to by what's going on, but they would see that their eyes would open, just as the psalmist says, that their lives open up, even as the, as the morning sun begins to rise, it becomes clearer and clearer until the full noon day. Lord, I pray that even this week, that, Lord, their eyes would be open to see things clearer, and that whatever's going on in their life, that they would take that name before the courts of heaven and declare the kingdom of God over that situation. And so, Father, we just pray that, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. We bless the people around us here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The prayer teamers are just going to stick around here just to be here with you. Please, some of you have been hesitant. You need somebody to pray with you, to minister, or they'll stick around here. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.